Have you had some holiday glog before answering these questions, Mom? No. Nope. Just my regular coffee. Oh, okay. That is my well-caffeinated mother, and I am Rebecca Garza-Bortman, and this is Advice for Mom. We're bringing you this special episode in between seasons because we've been hearing from a lot of you, our dear listeners, that you have more questions related to family dynamics as we approach the holiday season. Whether seeing your family stresses you out or what your family expects from you or what could possibly be said or unsaid or yelled at the dinner table is really what you're worried about, I have some good news. We're here to help. Well, specifically my mom is here to help. She's got 35 years of experience as a psychologist and family therapist, and today she is artfully swirling that great advice and motherly love together in a way that can only be compared to a cinnamon bun of the soul. It will warm your heart and your home. And I'm not just saying that because I'm her daughter, but because I am her daughter, I will be taking the questions and making them extra fun. That's my holiday gift to you. Let's get started and you'll see what I mean. Do you remember when I was a kid how I was really into Square One on PBS? Mm, No, but anyway. It was like a math show. But they had a parody at the end of it of Dragnet, and it was called MathNet. That I vaguely remember. It was like two detectives. Mm -hmm. They solved mysteries using math. MathNet, frankly. Really? What's the location? We'll be right out. What was that call about? Somebody just stole a dump truck full of dirt. Dirt? Yeah, dirt. Huh, how cute. Yeah, so it's kind of like, this is like MomNet. <laughs> You're solving holiday mysteries using psychology. <laughs> oh, and we should say, so that it, it really feels like Dragnet or MathNet or MomNet as it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the names, names are made up. up. But But the the problems problems are real. real. And that really fits to the dragnet. That's what they used to say. This is a story. This is a city with eight million stories. And you're going to hear one of them. Actually, you're going to hear three of them. Each story will be thoroughly investigated by Pittsburgh's most provocative pod mom, Dr. Elizabeth Skabinski Boardman. Each case will be cross-examined by me, your host, Rebecca, where I will do my hostess mostess to wrap up Mama B's advice in a single takeaway, like a bow on top of this year's holiday gift. That's right, you're getting a puppy. All private ears are reminded that this episode is our goofiest of the year. But this podcast is still for informational purposes only. It is not intended to offer diagnosis or treatment for any medical or psychological condition. All treatment decisions should be made in partnership with your health professional. You go, Lieutenant. Ready for your three cases, therapist, detective, Mama B? I think I am ready to go, probably. I thought so. <clears throat> me, me, me. The case of the solo sauteur. <laughs> Leave it to you. Jessica is a professional chef, 
Every year she cooks her lovely family the most delicious holiday feast. This has gotten old for Jessica after six years of cooking and worse, minimal help cleaning up afterwards. And frankly, she hates it. How can Jessica change this family tradition without leaving her family hangry? Jessica, get ready for advice from mom. So this scenario kind of reminds me that for years, I had an expectation that any one of my loved ones would and should know without me telling them that I need help. And also, often my clients will say about their husbands, my husband should know that I need help. And when they say that, when my clients say that, they're almost always pretty resentful. And you know, of course, that when resentment builds up, it can spoil our mood real quick. As I look back now, what me and my clients didn't quite realize was that expecting our loved ones to be mind readers was really kind of dumb. And when we did that, not only were we disappointed that they weren't mind readers, but then we got heartbroken because they weren't able to fulfill our expectations. So assertiveness seems to be the the much-needed skill that's difficult to obtain. We all know that we need that skill, but it just... uh, it becomes just another burden of responsibility along with uh, everything else. And we all know, too, that we can't change him, we can't change her, we can't change them. And that also is kind of discouraging and depressing, I think. But we do have the power to change ourselves. And sometimes even a small change can make a big difference. So I'm going to give Jessica and the rest of you some ideas about how to make a change like this. I might say, my policy is that I am willing to shop, cook, and clean up when I'm having two to three people for dinner. But when I'm having four or more people, I get to take my apron off and sit with my company and chat right after the meal. When you say something about your policy, it sounds official enough so that people don't mess with it. (laughs) Or you could ask, whose turn is it to wash and who wants to dry? I have 18 clean dish towels here. Do you think they'll laugh? Or Jessica could say, just before she serves the food, she could say to everyone, anyone who promises to help with cleanup gets dessert. Of course, assertiveness takes courage. If you have courage to say something, it's great. Go ahead and try some of these. But if you don't have the courage to be assertive, you might just want to show up in an arm sling. Okay, so I'm turning it over to you, Rebecca, Bortman, Davina, Patricia. No, Garza. Patricia, no, take it again. Okay, so (laughs) I'm turning it over to you, Rebecca. (laughs) I think you actually had all the right names in there. It was just a little bit wrong order. Rebecca Davina Patricia Skabinski de la Garza Bortman, at your service. I like it. So, Mom, just to clarify, 
I know you love to tell our listeners that there is an adequate time to bite their tongues. You are not telling Jessica to bite her tongue. Is that right? If it's your family and you've done this for six years, you can get away with a lot. And the hostess has a lot of power. I mean, she's feeding everybody. She's, you know, she's making her home pleasant and available. The restrooms all have toilet paper in them. You know, I think we should try very hard to be as comfortable as possible with our family members. And if we're not, then what the heck are we doing inviting them all over every holiday? Okay, so no need to bite one's tongue, but you are suggesting that maybe she fake an injury? Yeah, yeah, why not? Just uh, just a casual sling. Well, it just happened right after I finished cooking the bird. <laughs> I just was saying it for humor. Okay, I, I have uh, some takeaways. Okay. Resentment is the worst recipe. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And asking for help this holiday season is the best ingredient. <laughs> you get an A plus for that recipe and those ingredients. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Next question. Okay. So this one is called The Case of the Caloric Questioner. Fiona is just about to sit down for her family's traditional southern feast. As she reaches in for the gravy ladle, her mother intercepts her hand and says, Honey, once on the lips, always on the hips. How's that diet going? How can Fiona respond without exploding on her mother like she has in years past? Fiona, you need advice from my mom. Well, Fiona, this situation, of course, won't change unless you change. You have to find your voice. If you don't, you'll continue to be angry every single holiday. Your anger is making you ineffective. To my thinking, you have two main choices. The first is to stay in the room and do something different. On the holiday, you could talk directly to mom. If mom isn't accustomed to you being direct, then mom may be surprised at what you've said. Surprise is always a good opportunity to learn something new, to see a situation in a different way. My second idea, you might have already tried, but if not, I think it's a fabulous idea. Basically, to help your mom understand that you are a grown-up now. And the way that you might do that is simply to say, my feelings get hurt every single year when you make some mention of my diet or my weight problem or Weight Watchers or one of those darn things, I, it really upsets me. Then I might follow it up by saying, Mom, could we have a peaceful Thanksgiving this time, this year? And remember, Mom cannot read your mind, but you could open your mind to your mom. So really, it's important to understand your mom's point of view. Your mom probably thinks it's her motherly duty to monitor your health. And that habit is really ingrained in her. Why would you expect her to change all of a sudden? But even if your mom's intentions are good, you may need a break from the intensity of family feast traditions. 
So ask yourself, is it really required that I go? Could I change my plans? I might suggest using this strategy if you're very angry at mom. I don't know what your attitude is toward mom nor what your relationship is. So these kinds of escape strategies, I call them, exit-the-scene strategies, they can help to protect you. They are ways for you to protect yourself and especially protect yourself from losing your cool, which makes you lose all credibility, really. So that exit-the-scene strategy is not for everyone, but it might give you a little space to breathe. If, if you really need it, use it. So you can go in like a lamb, or you can go in like a lion. It's your choice. Rebecca, it is your turn. Mom, I gotta say, I'm kind of surprised at your uh, disregard for family in this question. I would think that it would be this more sacred thing, but you're just suggesting maybe don't even go to the holiday celebrations. Am I getting that right? I uh, walk the walk and talk the talk. I think one of the best strategies I ever used to get my family to stop using me as a scapegoat and start being respectful of me, I think one of the best was that I moved far, far away a long time ago. And then over the years, I think they didn't have me to scapegoat or to blame things on or whatever it was they were, I thought they were doing to me. Maybe they weren't. But, um, you know, gave me some distance from all that intensity. And boy, it worked like a charm. I, you know, I believe that sometimes when you have, you can't, <laughs> you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Yeah, you have to change something that is really meaningful. Yeah. Well, and I think that also gets at the fact that uh, if your family doesn't respect you, maybe it's time to find a new family. Is that too harsh to say? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I, I think that many of the people that talk about their lives and their healthy mental health and their and lovely social life, I think many of them will ta- will say to me, oh, this person is like family. In fact, we call this man uncle, even though he has no blood relation to us. I think it's wonderful. So, Fiona, flip the scenario, not the dinner table. (laughs) If it doesn't work stating your feelings, maybe you should move out of state. (laughs) Come on, give me a break. Your shift is just about to wrap up, Detective (laughs) Mama B. Time for one more case. The case of the bickering bros. Aha. Sammy and his brother can't be in the same room with each other without turning any discussion into a political debate. As kids, the brothers got along just fine. But since Sammy moved across the country and only sees his family once or twice a year, the brothers' relationship has suffered. Their arguing upsets their mother, especially when their father starts yelling as well. How can Sammy make his visit home this holiday season a little more harmonious? Sammy, here's some advice from my mother. Well, Sammy is in a tough spot. Brother and sister estrangement is surprisingly common, especially if your childhood was difficult or if alcohol is involved. These factors complicate things tremendously. 
So it's definitely a plus that you two guys were buddies as children. Whatever is laid down in childhood acts as a powerful force uh, through throughout your life. And I'm wondering, can you do you think you can build on those positive experiences from the past? Can you find, uh, for example, a photo of you and your brother as pals when you were kids? And that might get you into a different headspace. You could certainly share it with him if you feel like it. And of course, adult siblings do fight with each other for many different reasons. You and he might fight with each other because you're quite similar. You might fight because you think that he should think about things, especially politics, I guess, in a different way than he does. And it irritates you when he says those things out loud and it gets you going. He knows where your hot buttons are. Or you might be fighting because he knows that you are disappointed with him in some way. I do have a few suggestions. You, Sammy, should try to lower your expectations. It's really hard to lower our expectations because the passion and the anger and so forth just act as a reflex and they take over. Another suggestion is that if politics comes into the conversation, then do the bite-your-tongue strategy and then leave the room. So in this case, exit the scene is a very good strategy. If your motivation is pretty high, and if you want to change the relationship, I suggest that you take your brother out to lunch. It may be in a different setting that things will be different, your interaction will be different. And it might be that being in your house with your parents is the biggest trigger for your competitiveness or your power struggle. So, can we hear from Lieutenant Rebecca? You know what this question made me think of, Mom? What, sweetie? Sniffing butts. Oh, God. (laughs) Whenever dogs say hello, they sniff each other's butts. Is it possible that you and your brother, Sammy, will not be able to function until you have a little fight? Maybe you need to get the fight out of your system. Maybe that's part of how you say hello. Interesting, interesting. I think the thing is about our families that they often see the worst side of us. Hmm. We might be triggered by our families in a way that we're not triggered by other people. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've seen it happen a lot. I'm guilty of this myself. You go back into the family scenario and it's almost like you revert to who you were as a kid or kind of you're rebelling against it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Siblings and family members can be the most critical. Yeah. It's it's true. Yeah. And competitive. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like that, though. It doesn't. I think one of the biggest takeaways I have from all of your answers is that all these holiday scenarios, they're all about emotionally preparing yourself Mm. for what's to come. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. So, you know, if the same thing kind of plays out every year, or if you can kind of predict Mm -hmm. how things might go, how might you respond? Mm -hmm. And just taking that time to, like, play out in your head, how how do you usually respond? Where does that go wrong? And how can you improve it? How can you go into these family situations prepared? Think it through and almost prevent, take a preventative kind of approach. I like that. That's really, that's really good input. 
This holiday season, don't let your family feast on your feelings. <laughs> so, Mom, before we say uh, happy holidays and wish our listeners um, a joyous set of celebrations, mm-hmm. is there any uh, closing words of wisdom you want to pass along to them for this, this holiday season? Well, uh, I guess just that it, it's very hard to change ourselves The good news is that when we do make a change in ourselves, it affects every relationship we have, but especially those that we're, those people that we're close to. So if, if they make a change in themselves, that that will inevitably create some sort of pressure for change in the other people that they love and know. So that's the good news. Um, Our change efforts are not in vain, um, even though sometimes they might be very frustrating. And also, like, you know, if it all goes horribly, maybe you should treat yourself to a really fun New Year's without your family. Absolutely. Give yourself a reward for your hard work and think of it as an experiment. You're trying something different. It might work. It might not work. It's no big deal. And if you want to, later on, you can try something different. Yeah. The great news about family is, is that you're probably going to get to experiment next year again, too. <laughs> Undoubtedly so. Undoubtedly. If you enjoyed this special holiday prep episode and you want to see our little indie podcast grow, the best way to do that is by sharing advice from mom with your friends, especially those friends who could use a little extra holiday cheer this season. A friend in need is a friend indeed. And if you've been glued to your feed with all the recent Me Too news, like I know I definitely have, check out our other special, Mom Too. And we have one more special up our sleeve before season two begins, so stay tuned for that. And you can follow us on all your favorite social media sites. Just look for that photo of my mom smiling like a 21-year-old Mona Lisa. And if you want to send me and mom a holiday gift this season, What we really want for Hanukkah is eight new glowing iTunes reviews. Maybe one will be from you. You know, a five-star review would even look gorgeous with mud on its face. We are wishing you and your loved ones a happy holiday season. From me and all the special folks who pour a lot of love into making Advice for Mom. Advice for Mom is a production of Wise Ones Advice Services. It's produced by Juliet Heinley and me, Rebecca Garza-Bortman. Editing and sound design by Juliet Heinley. Mixing and mastering by Jake Young. Publicity by Jane Riccobono. Audio assistance by Brian Garza. Our theme music is by my band, Love Jerks. We are playing shows in Stockton, in the Bay Area, and maybe even Jerusalem this holiday season. So look out for Love Jerks. I don't know if you've played volleyball, but I have, and it really hurts your hands. And it has big advantages over tennis because you don't have to run your tushy off. And uh, and no all, tushy running, no tushy running. But it's it's a we have so much fun. That's the other piece. That's the only other piece, really. We have fun. It's true. You have you have emphasized the amount of fun that you have playing pickleball with ninety year olds. They're not all ni- We're not all ninety.